Hey folks, welcome to a podcast about Catholic things. This is Eric, the Ambassador of Common Sense, and I'm here with... Dan, the Ambassador of Nonsense. Welcome everyone. We've been gone for a couple weeks, because Dan's been <laughs> vacationing all over the world on a giant whiskey cruise. Hey, and... well, no, no, no. Let me, let's call it what it is. It was a pilgrimage. Pilgrimage to a whiskey. To, to Ireland. Bar. That included okay. tours of whiskey distilleries. Okay. But we had mass every day, prayed the rosary daily, um, found times to pray the Angelus. It was so a really what neat was, pilgrimage. What was the main, did you like visit any places where like St. Patrick was? Uh, we did not visit St. Patrick. We visited Knock, the, the town where Our Lady, well, the whole Holy Family appeared um, to the villagers there. Uh, you know, I've never heard that in, story. I don't know the story of Knock. Okay, it's it's kind of um, there's no message with Knock. The the Holy Family just appeared. Initially, it was a boy really? who saw them after uh, Mass had gotten out, and uh, eventually the whole townspeople gathered. It was raining, um, but I think and the everybody saw where them? The, everybody saw them. Yeah, the whole village. Everybody. Wow. They were, I mean, they they stood there praying rosaries for hours. What and year was while this? they were visited by the Holy Family, and and there were angels. Um, Flying around. What year um, was this? It was like it was uh, late nineteenth century, like eighteen. Uh, let me let me see. Huh. Late eighteen hundreds, I think. Want we'll to do a show about that? I I hear knock all the time, and I've never bothered to look into who it was or what it was. I I just thought it was an apparition of Mary. Um. Yeah. Eighteen seventy nine. I wanted to Today, say that, but I didn't want to sound dumb. Yeah. Did they Especially interact just with, visited there. with people there, or was it like everybody just saw them? What, what was the question? Did they did the Holy Family like interact with anyone, or was it just a vision? No, they just appeared, um, and but they could tell who they were because they appeared in um, in the way. Uh, like like standing, what they were holding, what they were wearing, and that kind of stuff yeah. was as they were depicted in the church where okay. they appeared. They, be, they appeared yeah. behind the church, but they were as depicted in the church. And it was Jesus, Mary, Joseph, and um, I believe John um, the Evangelist. Huh. And, Which uh, is often now they the have case. A, like a shrine there. What's that? Which is often the case that... that apparitions will appear in the way that they are commonly depicted in a in culture oh, in that area or whatever yeah like <laughs> our lady of guadalupe you know oh right so okay well so anyway we got um, to visit there um i got some water from there and then the water i brought it home but um the priest that was with it with us blessed it according to the old rite um using salt and everything, so that's really neat. You're, uh, I ran off to get coffee. Um, oh, you're not you're not going to really pour that down, Mom's uh, radiator. I am not going to put okay. knock water into a car's radiator. Uh, if I, you know, I I suppose I mean, you could like take it and sprinkle a little bit on the car, maybe <laughs> to bless the car. <laughs> oh well. Okay, so we've got a really unusual podcast. Um, 
The thing is, there was a guy staying at my house who was doing some parish work. I think he was, um, I think it was like part of a construction thing. They were going to redo part of the tabernacle or something. Um, and because he knew a guy that I knew that he was in town for this job and needed a place to stay, I allowed him to stay at our house since mostly because I don't have any kids really, you know, all of my kids are older and, um, I don't have to worry as much about stranger mm-hmm. danger. So he stayed here, but there were some situations where we saw some stuff that we didn't like. So we had to say, look, you can't stay here anymore and made him leave. But he left behind a USB drive and I was just going to use the drive because I needed to load windows onto something. So I put it in the computer and got ready to wipe it. But the only thing on the drive was this one audio recording. And I thought that was interesting. So, and since I'm nosy uh, and curious, I played it. And now I am going to play this for you. And you guys make of it what you will. But here it is in full. I'm just going to put it on. It's rather long. Yeah, it is kind of long. It'll probably take me a couple shows. We won't play it this all in one way. sitting. Yeah. Yeah. We'll we'll play part of it and then we'll talk. All right. Um, I'm going to mark my spot. This is Possum Foot. I'm the leading division manager of cultural strategy planning uh, in the bodily division. I am here talking with... This is Hag Slime. I'm the... Hag Slime. Hag Slime, the division manager of the Temptations of the Mind division. Our concern in this meeting uh, and the series of meetings that are to follow primarily are on the demasculization of the male human. Uh, not necessarily individually, but culturally. If we can get not just a male to not act like a male, but if we can get all of the humans around that male to treat maleness itself as a bad thing, we we put ourselves at the advantage because the offspring of the male parents often look at him as the role, as the as the man to be like. If we can either make him less holy or make his holiness less likable, we're we're not far away from winning. Not just individual members of the human, but as a whole, the entire culture, I think, could be ours if we play these things out correctly. And of course, we remember that the Master's first victory was achieved by usurping the role of the male. Right. With the female. Right. Anytime we can get the male to step back from his rightful place, we're just by that a couple strides ahead. All right. Okay. So we both answered to the same uh, secretary of cultural strategy planning, uh, which is Screwtape, and he has asked us to get together. Uh, we've both been forming our own strategies according to our specialty, and he wants us to record those strategies 
um, to sync up with each other. And eventually this recording is supposed to be distributed to those who we are in league with. Uh, not, not like ourselves, but the humans who are in league with us. So those, those we've already captured. And, uh, I would remind you that all of the, all of the information I have here, or at least all of my information, because it, it relates only to human beings. Um, we've had to figure this out either through trial and error, or what we most often do is we enlist the help of those humans who are already with us. Uh, that's a big help to us. When we're trying to figure out the best way to attack culturally, especially when dealing with bodily matters, uh, that help is almost invaluable. Otherwise, it's just a matter of uh, trial and error because we don't understand why they do the things they do with their bodies. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to us. Uh, yours, however, is a little bit different because many of the things that you are planning around, we do understand and we already know how to take advantage of them. But uh, just... I'm, I'm just reminding you here that everything I'm about to say, we had to come up with on our own. I'll, I'll start with gluttony. The, I guess, out of all of the weaknesses that we've found, gluttony is probably the one least used. But, however, we have made a lot of headway, um, especially since food production has gotten so easy for them. They are producing huge amounts of food. Not just food, but there are... Whereas throughout the past, they've used natural means of flavoring their food and making their food taste better to them. They have more recently come up with synthetic flavors and made their food taste stronger and stronger. So they've been producing more of it, making it taste, uh, tweaking the taste to fill certain uh, desires that they have, and it makes it, it gets them to the point where more natural food doesn't appeal to them. And this is good for us because anything natural is what we try to avoid. The more synthetic we can make food the better it is for us and the easier it is to kind of, the easier it is to pull them away from the gifts that they were given in the beginning. We get them further from natural food. We get them further from nature. Hence, we get them further from the enemy. Again, this has been very easy as of late because of everything almost being synthetic. Uh, On the same token, the drugs that they've been using have been getting more and more synthetic. Whereas we used to use things like alcohol, which is a natural thing and isn't bad in itself, uh, but we could use alcohol to get a lot done. We could get them, you, we could get men uh, beating their wives and skipping mass the next day and a whole mess of other things, using it to get men out of work. Uh, but there are consequences 
with using alcohol that that the that the humans seem to seem to at least avoid the humans will avoid getting drunk one night because of the headaches that it causes the next day but with the newer synthetic drugs we're able to get them drunk in a sense one night with almost zero ramifications immediate physical ramifications and uh using that we get them to the point where their bodies actually depend on the drugs to the point where sometimes they'll do anything to obtain them uh they'll they'll do violence and even suicide if they can't obtain them the synthetic drugs is a huge benefit for our cause we haven't developed much beyond that I think, but go ahead i think we uh also um and I forget which of our comrades came up with this um, as a strategy, but the development of the fast food industry, uh, the food itself, as foods go, even among human tastes, is, is rather horrible. However, uh, with the fast food industry, we have developed this idea that you can get uh, exactly what you want without having to prepare for it in any way. And so each person gets to order his own food, gets exactly what he wants, not only in terms of picking it from the menu, but then all the details about how that food is, is prepared, the things that go on the burger, whether you get, whether one gets the fries or the onion rings and so forth. And this has contributed to a sort of low brow version of gluttony of delection. So there's, in addition to the mere gluttony of uh, amount or quantity, there's this idea of gluttony of delection where uh, you're overly picky about the food that you eat or not necessarily even food, but but whatever kind of, of um, bodily experience. But yeah, um, I, I see that we have created... And, and and that used to be a, a rather rare form of gluttony uh, historically because only fairly rich people could afford to be that kind of glutton. Well, we've made that kind of gluttony available to everybody. Yeah, even the, uh, I notice even the poverty-stricken families are that way. And the, the best part about that is that it breaks up a time that we've always had to fight. And that is family meal time. Um, the males, being the providers of those meals, would often sit at the head of the family, and the the offspring would would eat whatever's in front of them because that's all that would be in front of them. But we've made it to uh, it, it's gotten to where the offspring will argue about what's being put in front of them instead of being grateful to the the male parent. And sometimes the female parent will have anything uh, at all. also argue to where they're all wanting something different. And it breaks up the entire mealtime, family mealtime. It was, uh, it, it, it was uh, fortunate for us that the fast food came about. It, it made... Family mealtime almost not present anymore. 
obsolete. It just yeah. doesn't happen. If it is a, man, man, a family mealtime, each member of the family is isolated in what they're eating. And every time we can isolate them from the family, especially from the male parent, the better. Yeah, gluttony uh, is, it's, it's not a big one for bringing down males necessarily, but it does, it does tend to chip away at part of his, his uh, role as the male parent. And anything we can do to chip away at that masculine nature that the enemy gave him is going to help us. I'm, I'm going to... We've also seen over centuries of uh, experimenting on humans that a human who is raised in a habit of gluttony, especially gluttony of delection, finds it very difficult to resist other forms of temptation. Yeah, I did see that. I'm going to move on to sloth unless you have anything else to add on gluttony. No. Okay. Uh, sloth has... We've made some huge strides with the laziness of humans, uh, especially males. This, as of late, as you know, the uh, we, we won a major battle when we were able to convince the enemy's church to do away with the right that they had been using for 2,000 years. And they came up with a new right. And that the old right pretty much disappeared. As of late, especially in the past few years, there's been renewed interest in the old right. And that is causing kind of a problem with our our strategy and concern with gluttony. Um, when they changed to the new right, they also stopped asking people to fast before before receiving the the sun bread so that people could eat right before they started the rite. Literally right before. While walking up to the church building, they could be eating something and still uh, validly receive the sun bread. Now, when they did this, it, it, it might have been better if we were able to somehow keep them re- from receiving the sun bread at all. But giving them the the idea that the fasting wasn't important did a lot for us. But as of late, there's renewed interest in this old rite. Uh, almost every city in, in the English-speaking world and a lot of other parts of the world now have an old rite that the humans are able to attend. And when they do this, more often than not, they tend to, even though they're not enforced, they tend to follow the old restrictions concerning fasting. So, yeah, this this has been a problem. We don't understand what's causing it. Yeah, I, it's it's kind of befuddling us because even even when we've got those in league with us who are uh, princes in the church are trying to squash this out and. It's still there, and it, it won't seem to die. And uh, I, this is just one of those things we're going to have to find a way around. 
So, in terms of gluttony, the new interest in the old right is a problem here. I, I think we can find ways around it, but right now it is a problem. And we've not been able to come up with something to beat that, other than the traditional means that we've used to tempt people into eating when it's a little bit easier now because we can convince them they don't need to fast. Whereas before, the humans fasted because they needed to in order to receive the sun bread. Now they don't need to. So it's easier to convince them, but then yet again it isn't because a lot of them are fasting anyway. Well, that closes gluttony for us. We'll move on to sloth here. Um, okay. In sloth, over the last hundred years, the use of machinery has made less and less work for the males. As you know, everything that was done that required any kind of strength and uh, that required concentration, that required uh, some sort of inspiration was done by the males. And so culturally, all members of the race looked up to those males who accomplished these things. And now suddenly we're able to have machinery and computers take the place of that work. This, this is great for us because males don't have to work as hard to accomplish as much. And it allows us to tempt them into sloth um, and makes it easier and easier for us. But there's, there's a lot of different lines that this takes place in. Um, I'll start with the fact that not only is the work easier, but the work is more and more removed from the dwelling place where the humans stay. So a uh, male parent wakes up in the mornings, immediately leaves the house, and doesn't return until the That's end right. of the day. Uh, and usually by then he's, because they've become so slothful, he's often worn out. He doesn't want to interact with his offspring. And this is creating all kinds of problems for him, but it's given us every opening you can imagine. Mm -hmm. For example, the father leaves in the morning, comes back, and the offspring want to interact with him often. But culturally, we've been able to convince him that it's more or less the female parent's job to do any interaction with the offspring. Uh, throughout the throughout the 60s, 70s, that was how most male parents behaved. They began to see any sort of interaction as a female's job. Uh, that's been kind of challenged a little bit as of late, but not the way not the way that's helpful to humans. Because what's happened is the the male parents have begun to see kind of a blurring of all of the females' jobs and all of the males' jobs, and they don't distinguish the females' role anymore between theirs and the males' role. Often, the male will try to fill the females' role, but he's trying to fill the females' rightful role. He no, no longer sees himself as discipliner. Often, he doesn't even see himself as the breadwinner. And so it's a whole complete blurring of the female and male jobs, but 
right? I'm trying to think of a way to say this. But at the same time, there are still traditional families who haven't done this. And in those cases, most of the time, it's easy to convince the male that doing something like changing a diaper is a female's job. So there's two extremes there that we tend to work towards. If it's a, if it's a family that is more traditional, we push the fathers into a corner where he doesn't want to rear the children because he believes it's feminine. And those right, families right. that are not traditional, we convince the male that there's no such thing as a male role or a female's role. As in almost every case, we're able to push the male into one of those two mindsets. Now, for those uh, males who don't want to interact with the offspring, it's very easy to convince the younger males, the offspring, uh, to do all sorts of things because of the lacking influence of the male parent. Whenever whenever the young male, the male offspring, comes to the male parent, but the male parent is tired, he pushes the young male off, and the young male immediately finds something else to uh, fill his time, and we can we can urge him to all kinds of things from that point on. And yeah, it's 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 rather nice, especially when the male parent doesn't even enjoy ever spending time with his offspring. Oh yeah, and the less sometimes we we even get so lucky that the male parent simply doesn't like his offspring, even when they're very young. Yeah, uh, he's able to overcome that those parental, uh, I don't know what they are, some sort of instinct where uh, fathers or male parents used to uh, find some sort of of joy in in the mere fact that a a living being is so small and tiny, they seem to like tiny things, especially tinier versions of themselves. Um, And we're even able to overcome that where he... Uh, he doesn't want to hold the offspring or play with it, let alone uh, do something like teach it. You know, uh, it's it's gotten really great. And one of the things this brought about, and this also goes hand in hand with sloth and with the machines, are uh, these things called video games. Most male offspring are engaged in these video games it's, it's like a it's an electronic fantasy of sorts um most male offspring are very engaged in these from the time they're around five years old sometimes even earlier and often by the time they are of adolescence they are practically addicted to them um now this this kind of uh there's a there's a line here because and this kind of developed. So we're going to start with I, I would say probably around the fifties, forties, fifties. The the males had so much time and so little work to do. They began to they began to play games more and more. They called them sports. Mm-hmm. They had so much time that they were able to 
put more time into sports than into anything else. Now, in a sense, this was bad for us because um, what they would do is continue to use their bodies in a healthy way. And the males would continue to engage in friendly competition. Um, for example, in this, in this game called football, uh, two males are facing each other and they have to kind of link bodies and push against each other violently. Um, when this happens, uh, adrenaline and several other hormones are introduced to the bloodstream where it naturally makes the males even stronger than they already were and push even harder than they already were and often making them angrier than they already were. At first we thought this this was great. Uh, the problem is that after the game, for some reason, the males who were only seconds ago engaged in uh, battle would shake hands, would smile, would even... Uh, would even drink together. But as as the competition grew more and more popular, we noticed a trend and we really pushed on that. The sports became not so much a way for them to use their bodies uh, in any sort of healthy way, but it became more of a competition, not just that they could engage in, but that they could participate simply by watching. So there would be a select few of these sportsmen who would engage in this competition, and we could sometimes fill an entire stadium with people who are only there to watch. We would give the crowd of people, all these human beings who are doing nothing but sitting and watching, a sense of participation that made them think they are part of the sport when they aren't. It was kind of... It, it, it was pre-video game video game because they were able to engage in this competition in which they had no importance whatsoever and feel as though they had accomplished something when the humans they were rooting for accomplished something. It was the dangest thing. It was amazing to watch. Just millions of people rooting for one specific sportsman, and when that sportsman accomplished something, they thought they accomplished something. But again, even then, most of the time, the people who were uh, excited about these sports also did play them, and this wasn't good for us. It wasn't bad for us, but it wasn't good for us. But what happened with the video games in came in. So as before, you've got two males facing each other in competition. Adrenaline, several other hormones are introduced. Their heart gets faster. They get physically stronger. They get more uh, excitable, angry. And the same thing happens when they play the video games. It's it, it's kind of, they're, they're using uh, something with buttons to control a figure on a TV screen and they're doing the same competition, but through the use of the buttons. And we get the same adrenaline built in them. It's somehow like they're able to identify with the thing that they're controlling on the screen. So the need 
for the activities, the desire to prevail, and so forth, brings out all that same adrenaline right. and hormone rushes. Right. Only. While they're, uh, and all they're doing is sitting there, and, and the, their bodies are not expending that uh, hormonal aggressiveness in any uh, useful or healthy, uh, healthy yep. way. So it's like tying up a rubber band and never letting it go. Uh, yeah, we've, we've been able to milk a lot out of the, the video game phenomenon. Yeah, it, it makes them angry. It uh, it makes them more lazy. Uh, it We've been able to induce all kinds of just uh, great conversation. Uh, and, and we've introduced all sorts of uh, blasphemy into them just because of this. They begin to... Uh, they begin to insult not only each other, but other people who are, say, around them. Like when their parents say, uh, the parents will ask them to stop doing that and do something else, uh, and, and they'll cuss at them, they'll throw things at them. Uh, they, they actually destroy their property that they're, that they have sitting around them out of this anger. It builds up in them so. It's been. It, it's. It's making our work so much easier. So in this video game things, we've got anger that's coming out of that. At the same time, we've got some of these male offsprings are uh, building up enormous amounts of energy for which they have no way to expend it. And it they almost always uh, eventually expend it in a destructive way that's good for us and bad for them. So... These uh, these video games are a devil's end, and of course, with this sort of uh, with this sort of fantasy world that they are diving into, uh, we make it. It makes us much easier to urge them into things like violence, uh, pornography, which we'll get to later, uh, and despair, because it seems like a lot of these male. Their, their self-worth seems to be tied to this fantasy world that they've created. Even if the fantasy starts over every time they sit down and start a new competition, their, their feeling of value seems to be tied to this false uh, world that they've made for themselves. And uh, they tend to be depressed when they aren't doing well. And we've even been able to urge them to suicide during these times. They, they are so, they seem to be so tied to this world. Um, yeah, they become very vulnerable to us. We've, we've been able to take great advantage. Now the, uh, the, the great thing about this is that when they engage in these fantasies for long periods of time, once again, it keeps them out of the male parent's uh, world. The male parent has his own little fantasies that he engages in, sometimes in the video games also. As of late, we're able to co- accomplish this more and more, where the male parent and the male offspring are both engaged in some so- sort of video game, but they don't do it together. If they do do it together, they consider that time as being spent together the way they would if... Even though neither one is really focused on the other. Right. 
They're both focused on the game. And they think when, when they say, because it, it's become a, a thing for humans to say that they have to spend time. You know, throughout history, the, the male parent and the male offspring had to spend time because the male had to teach him how to do certain things, had to discipline him when he was there, and eventually that would grow into some sort of uh, weird friendship that usually lasted a lifetime. But because of the ease that they now live without having to work at the home or in the home, um, it's become part of the culture points out to the males that they ought to spend time with the offspring. They just call it spending time. Usually, um, by this, they mean that the offspring would be given everything they wanted, would be spoiled somehow, so that the offspring comes out happy. Um, and, of course, the male parent will try to make the offspring happy, but the more he tries to make them happy, usually the less happy they are, and they end up fighting, and then they end up not spending spending time together. But the video games make the males think that they are spending time with the offspring, even when they're not. Um, sometimes they're not even in the same room. They, they are two different rooms of the same dwelling on two different computer systems playing the same game, uh, often not talking to each other at all. Now, the video games, we've had some luck with the females as of late with the video games. Not the same kind of luck with the males. Uh, males, it was easy to get them into the video games. All we had to do was make it more violent or more competitive. Those two things together uh, will hook most males. The females, we were trying the same thing and it just wasn't working. But what we've discovered is that if we can make the video games more colorful, more simple, not as competitive, the females get just as engaged in them. Uh, I, I'm not sure what they think they're getting out of it. Uh, a, a male thinks he's competing in real life if he's competing in a video game. Females, uh, if we give them the look like pieces of candy, they seem to get really engaged with them and will will spend hours doing nothing else but moving pieces of candy around, fake pieces of candy on a video screen. Uh, it, if we can make them look more crafty, I think they get a sense of having accomplished something uh, by playing the games, but... The thing is, so we've got males and females both playing games now, and yet they don't even play the same games. Uh, total isolation from each other. Sometimes families of four or five can spend an entire day playing their various video games without once talking to each other. This, this video game is so great for isolation. One of our, our greatest joys... Yeah is seeing a a family because we don't like families anyway and so when we can pervert the idea of family somehow that that's a tremendous accomplishment for us but when 
um, the the male and the female have have had a, you know several children together, and then we managed to make it a regular habit for all of them, even when they're in the same room, to be in a game or their noses in into a game each individually, not paying any attention to each other. That is a tremendous accomplishment for us. We know that family is headed our way. Right. It's almost as as fatal to the family as a divorce to have all of them so close yep. to each other yet so far apart from each other. Um, we're going to keep on this um, and using ways to convince more and more humans to spend more and more time in these video screen game fantasy worlds. That's really the goal here is to push this because it doesn't seem like you know, usually when we use something to tempt people, we, we tend to get to a plateau where it's like, okay, we're only going to be able to get this many souls through this means. But it doesn't seem like we've hit a plateau yet. We just keep getting more and more. And the isolation we're able to uh, get out of this, not just the isolation from their families, but even from their friends... Even from society itself, it seems like there's no end to this. We we have no idea how far we're going to be able to carry this, but we're just going to keep doing it. To put a spin on a common phrase that the humans like, this is the gift that keeps on taking. Yeah. This renewed interest in the old right kind of competes on this level because, uh, first of all, we're noticing the male's reasserting themselves as as the family's priest and retaking his role uh, as it, because for a long time we've been able to get more and more families to attend that new rite not first of all not together not together yeah it, it, when we can convince the uh, the parents that they should go in the morning, but allow the offspring to go later in the afternoon so that they can sleep in. And then lots of times the offspring say, yes, we're going to the right, but they don't go. Uh, and they, they skip, so to speak. They um, skip, they might go behind the building and smoke or whatever. But, but in all cases, it's a, a wonderful habituation of slow. Right. But it seems like this renewed interest in the old right is causing males to gather their families together as one unit to attend the right, um, causing all kinds of problems for us. Um, I think we combat we combat this with first of all, uh, I think we should push the sloth, but not necessarily against the male, but against the offspring and against the female. Uh, the males tend to, uh, they tend to, I don't know what the word is, they tend to enjoy, they tend to get more out of the old right than the females do. Uh, the, the females don't seem to be as inspired by the old right. So if we could keep pushing on that, and if at least break up the family when it goes, if the male chooses to go to the new old right, we can try to, uh, first of all, push the sloth so that the 
the offspring don't want to go, and the female also doesn't want to go, so the female offers, well, I'll take the offspring with me. That's one point. Now, the other point, and we've had a lot of cooperation with the bishops on this, uh, all the princes of the church, they understand the reason to reject this old right. They understand how much damage it is doing to us and our goal. So what they've been doing is forcing the, the old right, when it's, when it's celebrated, to be done in, in odd times, in times that are inconvenient, that inconvenient the whole family. So we would try to get it pushed to very early in the morning so that anyone who wants to go has to get up much earlier than they would, even if they were just going to work. Or, and we also push it to further and further distances, and we push it into areas that neither the males or the females want to be in. We put them in neighborhoods that are dangerous, uh, with lots of drug use, lots of poverty around them, so that especially the females don't feel safe as they leave their cars to go to the churches. Um, this is doing a lot for us, but there are still seem to be more and more males who are attending these old rites with their entire families. And uh, yeah, the the mere decision to do this is losing us ground uh, with these particular families because, at least in in the uh, the element of sloth, because there's something unslothful about making the decision to face those challenges. Right, right. And if we could, if we can't convince the males not to do it, then we have to convince their companions and their offspring to not go with him. That right now should be the goal, as well as trying to convince the uh, bishops to either disallow them or make them more difficult. And of course, uh, we're working right now on uh, a papal ruling that will eventually eliminate these old rights altogether. Um, and another part of this, and it, we've noticed that those males who are attending with their families, they tend to have more children than the other families do. They're, we're seeing less and less contraception in those circles. Of course, this makes more souls for them to offer the enemy. And not only are they offering more souls to the enemy, but we're less and less able to capture those souls. Um, it, it's making it harder for us to drag down entire families. Uh, sometimes we're lucky to get one or two members of those families, but uh, we're just going to keep hammering on that, and hopefully we'll get a better ruling from the church princes uh, in, in the uh, days to come. Uh, if you don't have anything else on that, I was going to move to lust. Folks, we're going to pause this for now, um, and we're going to play. There is a much longer section on the subject of lust that we're going to show you next week. Um, you can see kind of how this is going, and uh, I think it'd be helpful for people to hear this stuff, especially people who are dead set 
against the ideas that these demons are trying to promote. That's right. But meanwhile, you can see some of their strategies. Yeah. Uh, we've got current events. All right. So what's going on in current events? Okay. Tell me something. If I say a mass grave, what does that suggest to you? Well, to me, it, it drudges up images of uh, like like uh, like a massacre type of mass grave. Like, right. I mean, because I mean, like, I mean, heck, Crown Hill Cemetery in Indianapolis is a mass grave in the sense that it's it's massive and there's a ton of people buried there. But to me, a mass grave is like where there was a big massacre and they threw like whether it's dozens or hundreds or thousands of bodies like into the same ditch yeah. or something like okay. that. Okay, I guess that covered would... it over like Okay. So cuz I saw the the article said a mass grave of 42 people was found in Libya after Islamic state militants tip off the authorities. So, I guess 42 people huh. if they were all killed and buried at the same time, I guess you could consider that a mass grave. If it's just 42 people who died individually and they happen to get buried in the same place because that's the place to bury them. That's not a mass grave. I would grave. not call that a mass yeah. grave. So I guess it doesn't tell me exactly how the people were killed or anything else, but uh, it just says mass grave of 42 people. And this is, see, arrested Islamic State militants who had been arrested. I guess these are kind of terrorists. How did they kill 42 people without being detected before that? Usually, if, if you've got a mass grave of 42 people, everyone knows how those 42 people died. At least, yeah, there's... Why, there's, why would you have to tip someone All 42 of those off? people are known by somebody that... Yeah. So what is there to tip off in order to... They tipped them off and said, this is where the grave is. I don't know. I, a lot of stories like that, I just... I think there's a lot more to them um, that we'll never know. Uh, the Bank of England buys 65 billion pounds of bonds in a bid to stabilize the uh, UK economy. Did you say 65? Did you, did you say B? Billion? Yeah, billion pounds. I, wow, okay. I don't know. Um, I, look, I would be surprised if any economy in the world makes it for the next five years. Other than maybe Russia, I Possibly. I mean, yeah, if you're <clears throat> if you're in the same circle that I am, uh, we believe that that the higher up that the, that the elites are trying to crash the economy worldwide so that they can perform this great reset, roll out a new system, a reset, yeah, new world order, and so forth. In fact, they've said that this is what they want to do. It's not like it's a conspiracy yeah, theory. They've been, already said it. Yeah, we it, know that they're trying. Not to really do a secret or anything. But the fact that they're, you know, most people would be willing willing to admit that they want to do this. I don't understand those people who are not willing to admit what they're doing in order to accomplish it. For example, uh, the uh, coronavirus, the whole the whole damn thing. All the restrictions and and then the the uh, vaccine afterwards, and I don't understand how someone cannot see this as part of that goal. 
Um, mm-hmm. the, the recent destruction of food processing plants. I mean, they're blowing up yeah. all over the world, especially here in America. They're just catching on fire and being destroyed. We're going to have less food soon just because there's no one to process it. Uh, Bill Gates buying up farmland and not farming. This is a huge deal. After they've eliminated the small farmer in America. That was a big, big thing, big part of it. Yeah, and they spent the last 50 years doing it, but it's almost done. There are hardly any small farmers. You know, it's funny. It used to be, I mean, I, I will admit a extreme naivety here and and just kind of <clears throat> I'll even call it wrong-headedness but promoters of things like buy local you know buy yeah. from your close by uh, small farmer rather than the big corporation go to the farmers markets rather than Kroger when you can and and so on and so on I always in my head associated that with wacky hippie, hippie type thinking yeah I did but too at first. That's actually, and, and, and to be sure, I'm sure, you know, most of the people who were, you know, back when I was, say, a teenager saying that stuff, were probably a little bit hippie, you know, in, in their own thinking. But now I find myself, at least on some of those things, and, you know, being in league with that kind of thinking. Right. I remember as the whole, quote, organic movement started, um... Rush Limbaugh used to criticize him. And mm-hmm. his point was that this is a way for small farmers to get around certain... Uh, not to not to make a better product, but to get around either taxes or restrictions. That's what this was all about. And he was right. I don't think he understood the importance of it. I don't think he yeah, understood it as a as- way to save the small farmer. Well, not only save the small farmer, but this this is one of the things, and, and, and a lot of people who are conservatives um, have failed to see um, the implications here. Okay, so it's a way for people to get around restrictions, but wait a minute. As conservatives, we're generally against restrictions anyway, unless there's a grave reason for having a particular restriction. So, y- you know what I mean? It's... <laughs> Um, right. So, yeah, I, I that that's that's one that that growing up, you know, I I was most of my life probably on the wrong side of, but now when I see, like you said, Bill Gates buying up mega farmland all over America and not farming it, and knowing that part of, you know, whatever that is, however that's playing into his strategic thinking, part of it is destroying the small farmer. Um, yeah, I was I was on the wrong side of that thought. Yeah, I was too for a long time. I guess probably around five or six years ago is when I started to see the light there. Now I encourage people, mm-hmm. buy local. If you can buy organic, buy organic, whatever. The point is yeah, to buy local. you can local. possibly afford it. Yeah, I know. It's so expensive. Um, I think the food is better. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much I buy into the whole MSG how bad it is. I, I don't, don't know, know about the MSG. Um, I, you know, I've, uh, I know my son has been doing a lot of research and a lot of reading and he says that, that uh, most food products because of things like the pesticides they use and other various things, they have these, um, 
forget what he calls them, like 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 micro, uh, like basically chemicals that that cause that either imitate or cause your body to produce estrogen. Oh yeah, that's leading to the demasculization of men. Yeah, that's what the whole uh, the whole Alex Jones gay frog thing was. Yeah, I'm like a Mako Fox cake. That's one of the funniest videos. That was a funny compilation. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't see the original talk where he talked about. That. You know, I, I can't really find that original recording. The compilation he did. <laughs> I can't find his original show where he did this, so I could just watch the whole show. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, now of course we have Hurricane Ian. Making landfall in Florida uh, after yep. it had been to Cuba, and then it goes up to where did it, did it, did it go to uh, North South Carolina? I, th I don't know if it yep. died out there or what. But uh, as the latest figure is 109 people dead, um, Ooh, with wow, that's higher than I thought. Close to 10,000 still unaccounted for. So now, so that number is likely to go up over yeah. time. It's a shame. Um, Swedish authorities report a fourth gas leak from the Nord Stream pipeline. So have you heard about this from Nord Stream 2 being attacked? Uh, I had not. Well, actually, um, my son was mentioning that to me the other day about Nord Stream leaking. And, and them saying that it seems to be some sort of sabotage. Right, um, but I don't. I don't know. He he wasn't telling me where he was getting it or anything like that. But I, I had briefly heard about it. Yeah, uh, Putin is saying that it's the American government attacking their pipelines, and uh, there are a number of leaks. It does. It looks so far like it is an attack. He's he's hinting that um, he's going to. Uh, he's hinting the use of nuclear uh, nuclear uh, as a retaliation. Yeah, retaliation. Wow! I wow! That's that's talk about escalation. Wow. I don't understand, but you don't hear about that. Like every time uh, Kim Jong Un in North Korea sends a missile up or threatens something. Everybody oh, talks yeah. about Test, it for a tests. whole week, you know? But nobody's talking about this Russian thing? Yeah, nobody's talking about it. I mean, it. this is a big deal. I mean, if, if if it's a real thing, that's a lot more immediate and and uh, imminent, I guess, than some technology testing by North Korea. Yeah, this is... that. This is something that needs to be discussed now. <laughs> and I don't hear anyone... Of course, I, I mean, I talking about peace. Nobody's talking about having peace talks. Why is no yeah, one talking that's, about that? Remember, throughout every war, they made a big deal of these people offering to, to start up peace talks. And um, mm -hmm. I mean, even during uh, the war in Iraq, I mean, there was always peace talks. Yeah. Are we going to have peace talks? But nobody's talking about peace talks here. We're engaged with really... The the only other major uh, world power here, and it just seems like yeah. 
we ought to be more careful. I, although I don't know, I I I suspect that that if you stacked all the cards, we'd have to include China. Yeah, now but China seems to be on Russia's well, side. They would align. They would align with Russia. Right. Yeah. So this It'd is be, this is serious, and it's even more dire. They're not taking it serious. And um, I guess, you know, part of the news here is the fact that we seem to be, or what's being reported is that Ukrainians are pushing the Russians back. The rumor is that it's not Ukrainians pushing the Russians back. It's American special forces pushing the Russians back. Yeah. I I don't know even how to tell whether or not that's true. <laughs> If it is true, it... I mean, that's an illegal war. Where nobody authorized American yeah, boots on the there ground. Yeah, should be no exactly. So this is—it's serious. Nobody's even talking about it. As usual, the media's doing what they always do. They, you know, whatever the government tells them to do, and it's—it's it's a shame. That's what our media has turned into. That they're not even willing to uncover these kinds of things. But I don't even know who you can trust anymore. Unless you know uh, uh, an American soldier who's in Ukraine or around Ukraine that can tell you the truth, I don't know how we would be able to tell from mm -hmm. from where we are. Right. It sucks. Um, let's see. Putin calls the Nord Stream Gas League an unprecedented attack act of international terrorism. That was his response to it. And then in other other ways he indicated that he would strike back with nuclear uh, okay. weaponry. Which, you know, I, I mean, when when we, after, say, 9-11, we engaged Afghanistan, we knew that Afghanistan was basically hosting the Taliban who were uh, associated with Al-Qaeda, who were responsible, well, Taliban is in Afghanistan. They were hosting the Al-Qaeda, which is responsible for 9-11. Right. We, knew, we had our cards straight, our ducks in a row, at least on that initial aspect of the declaration of war. Now, it, it grew weird yeah. as it expanded, you know, into Iraq and then occupation and then other things like, you know, it, it kind of got out of hand. But one hopes that, well, first of all, that no, America's not involved here. Yeah. <laughs> And that Putin will learn that America's not involved and then not feel like he has reasons to retaliate. Yeah. Well, it doesn't help because I've heard the recording of Joe Biden saying that we would destroy Nord Stream 2. Oh, I, think, I think he yeah. said if they attacked Ukraine. I can't remember the context. But I heard the recording. Oh. They played it on, um, I think... Uh, on the war room on uh, Infowars, mm -hmm. um, I heard the recording. So, Putin, Putin or uh, Biden has already threatened to do this, and now it looks like it's been done. So, like it's I don't been know. done, whether he did it or not. But he, since he's threatened to do it, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, things could go very badly for a lot of us. We need to keep our souls in order. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> Because we don't know what's going to happen. I mean, tomorrow, tomorrow our city could be gone. That's that's how yeah. serious this is. Nobody seems to be taking it serious. 
I, right. It, it's funny the way during the 50s and 60s, they actually had, you know, routines for the kids to go through. They had drills. This is duck, what happens if a nuclear bomb comes. Uh, we're acting yeah. like... It, and even that was a sham. I mean, yeah, was a it way, was. You know, it's like, okay, they're, they're spinning all this propaganda about Russia, the Soviet Union, uh, having nukes pointed at us. And then that's creating anxiety, and they had to give us, you know, give the uh, population something to do, yeah, to ease that anxiety. Something that they felt like they they could actually be doing to prepare. And so they had these duck and cover drills, yeah, which were absolutely meaningless because if a nuclear bomb, you know, hit within the vicinity, it didn't matter whether you were. Doesn't matter what uh, sitting what, under your desk. under desk or whatever, <laughs> you're going to be gone. Yeah. <laughs> well, the Supreme Court it should have been, you know, saying our father and find a priest. Yeah, that's uh, there's a nuclear bomb headed for us. Uh, get on your knees and start praying. If you can't find a priest, then make a perfect act of contrition and <laughs> yeah, get ready to meet ask, your maker. Ask God to... That's right. <laughs> As a matter of fact, just start doing that all the time anyway. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you what, when you behave that way, it's a whole lot easier to accept something like the possibility of nuclear war. Yeah, not- or, yeah. which, you know what? A nuclear war, whatever. It's a whole lot easier to accept the possibility of minor accidents that might end your life. And so, you know... Things like COVID, climbing onto precipices like we do at the Red River Gorge, yeah. become fun and enjoyable in a way that might be a little bit fearful if you had to worry about the state of your soul, right? Or you know, going onto some of those uh, you know more extreme rides at say Kings Island, or going on a plane trip, right. or whatever. Yeah, or getting getting COVID. We're getting COVID. <laughs> um, the Supreme. I don't think that's enjoyable, no matter how. Yeah, it, what state it stinks. But you don't have to sit there and worry about but dying. You're, you're not fearful about it, that's for sure. I don't know. The whole dang country got scared real fast, and I just, I still don't I understand so, that whole thing. Like, yeah, exactly, exactly. It was so weird. Um, the Supreme Court in India strikes down. A portion of this pregnancy act that forbade women, forbid unmarried women from having an abortion. So they tried to pass an act that would keep unmarried women from having an abortion, thus legalizing the procedure for all women until the twenty-fourth week. So okay, all women in India a, until the twenty-fourth week can, can get an abortion, kill their child. Now that's a tragedy, but. I do have to ask, why was the original law prohibiting abortions only for married women or for unmarried women? I mean, what? Why was there a I, different treatment for married versus unmarried women vis-a-vis abortion? I don't know. The okay, this is this is hard to follow, but I'm just going to read it the way they have it written here. The ruling also notes that forcing a woman to carry the child could constitute marital rape. Oh, wow. Which is not, however, recognized 
as an offense in India. Is, so was this like like a pressure from the UN kind of thing? I don't know, but are they saying that marital rape is not recognized in offense as in India? Or are they saying it sounds like it. carrying uh, oh, the, 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 the abortion is not recognized as an offense in India? It's weird. Yeah. I I couldn't tell yeah, from this your own conclusions. whether or not it's legal to rape your wife in India. Maybe that's what they're trying to say. I don't know. Um, let's see. Ukraine, Ukraine. At least 125 people are killed in a human crush following the dispersal of rioters by tear gas. This is in... Uh, in Ukraine? No, this is in Indonesia. Uh, there was a great oh, okay. big sporting event. I guess this is football. But I don't know if Indonesian oh. football teams, is, is that soccer or our kind of football? Yeah, it's probably I'm sure soccer. It's soccer. Okay. I mean, it's either soccer or something like like Gaelic football, or yeah, I don't know, whatever. So there was a bunch of there was a riot. Uh, they tried to disperse the riot with tear gas. 125 people got killed, trampled. I guess um, that's more people than are known dead from Hurricane Ian right now. Yeah, it's crazy. I don't even in a place like Indonesia, people are so wrapped up into sports I, that. Yeah, it make exactly. Like, so like we were listening to that demon earlier talking yeah. about spectator sports. It's crazy. And, and how that affects people. This Here you have it. 125 people over a football game or a soccer game. It wasn't even real football. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. Let's see. We've got a few Nobel Prizes. Nobel Prizes. Uh, the Swedish genesis Svante Pablo uh, is awarded for his discoveries concerning the genomes of extinct hominins and human evolution. Huh. Um, I don't see. I don't know about this. Uh, things like Neanderthal man. Um, yeah. Okay, they're saying that they've got skeletons of Neanderthal man. They are saying yeah, that... I, th- I think Neanderthals are like one of those that are not really disputed by anybody. Right. So we've got Neanderthal. They're saying that we all have Neanderthal DNA. So Neanderthals could okay. mate with what we are. So it's not really a distinct species if you define well, that's, species well, that way. I don't know if saying that we have... Like, saying that we have Neanderthal DNA, that I don't know what that means. It doesn't necessarily strictly mean that we could mate with them. Well, the accepted... It might just mean that, that there are some, like... Traits or whatever. No, the, I, mean, I, I think let, that's assuming, accepted science. Assuming that macroevolution is possible. Let, 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 yeah. me, let, me, let me start there. Assuming the possibility of macroevolution... Okay, you could end up with with uh, particular and and peculiar like single nucleotide polymorphisms, even in parts of DNA that that don't actually code for genes. Um, that you can like trace back through an ancestry and discover that oh, okay, wait, this whole you know body of of like past you know organisms like Neanderthals yeah. had this. And even though their DNA wouldn't be compatible with ours, say, for mating purposes, but our DNA also has that showing that we're in 
through some kind of process. Okay, but I think it's accepted science that Neanderthals and humans could mate. I'm pretty sure that's part of an accept... I think it's accepted science that we could mate with Neanderthals, and that we did. Well, if that's the case, then they're just human. That's what I'm saying. Why call unless, them something different? They, unless, genetically... It was another human, race. Unless, unless you want to say that that they were, like, sort of, like, like us. You know, super smart brains and everything, but did not have a rational soul. Okay. Uh, then... I see. Then they that's would, unlikely. They would not be human, because they don't, you know, the they definition of human is yeah. rational animal. But biologically speaking, they would just plain be human. Well... I don't know. They've got this other... Uh, there's a couple other... I, I just... I don't know how much I buy into the whole... Well, you know, it, it's it's just... They try to use it as a way to show that man came from ape. And when it comes to things like Neanderthals, I think either some of them are other animals, and some of them are just humans who were of a different race that maybe doesn't exist anymore. Or they're all just, yeah. I mean, or, it could be that they were all just humans. Yeah. For whatever reason, got separated from the other body of humans and died out. Or, or were, you know, because even among humans, I mean, we have like... Yeah, we got the, like the pygmies. Know, the, the, the pygmy, the pygmy tribes of, of Australia, for example. Uh, okay, that, well, why couldn't Neanderthals be like, like them? That's what I think it is. That's what I've always thought it was. And yeah, I think... haven't heard much to, to, to yeah. suggest otherwise. Uh, another guy, let's see. Elaine Aspect of France and John Clauser of the U.S. and Anton Zielinger of Australia. Or Austria, I'm sorry. Uh, jointly awarded a Nobel Prize for experiments with entang... For experiments with entangled protons, establishing the validity of Bell inequalities and pioneering quantum information science. Again, I don't know how much I accept the entanglement of protons. I uh, I don't I don't think I understand the science well enough to uh, have oh, okay. an opinion, but I just it's one of those things that I kind of. I mean, doubt. I know what entanglement is. I don't know what the implications for entangled protons are. I mean, can you take but a proton... I know what entangled photons and entangled electrons are. ...to the other end of the world and do something to it, and the first proton actually does change only when you've done something to the second one? Does that really okay, here's, exist? here's the thing. Here's the thing that I... Okay, let, let me kind of explain this in a way. <clears throat> okay. So, think of... Um, like light, like, like photons. Okay? okay. So you know what a, a polarized um, lens is or a polarizer? Um, no. Okay. So light it travels. If you think of it as a wave, it's uh, electromagnetic wave. There's there the electric field is changing in one direction, and the changing of the electric field is inducing. A change in the magnetic field in a perpendicular direction. So, like, okay. let's say the electric field is changing up and down, and the magnetic field is changing right to left, and the photon is moving forward. 
as and and the two are inducing each other. So the electric field change induces a magnetic field change, which induces a magnetic field change, which induces magnetic field change, and so on and so on. Yeah. And that's how. That's one model for how the light travels. These are the Maxwell equations. Well, in normal light, these directions are randomized and all over the place. And so if you have a polarized lens, it's kind of like taking like a chair with slats in it. Yeah. And, and you, you have a rope. And if you swing the rope like up and down, you know how you can make waves in a rope? Yeah. Well, if you swing it in a way that, that aligns with the slats of the chair or the slats of the the, uh, the railing or something like that, the waves pass right through. But if you go in the other direction, they block. And so on the, on the far end of it, on the other side of the chair or the railing or whatever, you don't get the waves or you get tiny waves or something like that. Okay. Well, a polarizing filter for light... So like almost makes, makes it a so laser. That only the light aligned in that direction gets through. Okay. Now, but here here's the thing: when it comes to an individual photon, uh, as that photon is traveling, let's say you 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 put an initial polarizing filter. You know, let's say it's up and down. Okay, so all the photons on the far side of it are going to be. They're, they're, the electrical field is going to be aligned to say up and down. Okay. Okay. Now, let's say you take another polarizing filter. If, if you place that up and down, all the light gets through. And so having the two of them in a row is exactly just like having one. If you turn the other one exactly sideways, so that it's left to right, yeah. none of the photons are going to get through the second one. And it's going to be black on the far side. Okay. And this is a... I mean, you can see that if you get... If you get polarized sunglasses, get like two pairs, and you can turn the the lenses to each other, and you can say, oh, boom, that's black, and then turn them back 90 degrees or, you know, wherever it was, and suddenly, like, everything gets okay. through both of them as though it was just one lens. So this is, you know, but here's the thing. Suppose you take that second polarizing filter, and you turn it 45 degrees instead of a full 90 degrees. Yeah. Well, now, some of the photons... Here, here's here's the weird thing. Some of the photons get through, and some don't. But the ones that get through are now polarized in the direction of the new filter. Does that make sense? I, I Okay. I don't mean, does it make sense that it would work that way? I mean, is that clear what I'm talking about? It's clear what you're talking so, about. Yeah. Okay, so let's say you take a polarized filter, it's up and down, and you put a 90 degrees polarized filter in behind it, and it's just going to be black on the other side. But let's suppose you insert a 45 degree polarizing filter between them. Now, some of the photons are going to get through that 45, and when they pass through, they're going to be realigned at the 45 degrees. Now, when they hit that third filter, the one that's at 90 degrees, some of well, those they're 45 sure. degrees to that, not 90 degrees, so some of them are going to get through, and those will realign to the now 90 degrees. So where before you had two filters and no light was going to pass through them, by inserting a filter between them at 45 degrees, you've suddenly made it so that some of the light is now going to make it through all three. Okay. All right. Now, here's the thing about entanglement. 
um, and, and entanglement works for all kinds of quantum properties, but polarization is such a quantum property, and therefore I'm just going to use polarization as my example of quantum entanglement. So here's what quantum entanglement means. If you have two photons, let's say you get two photons that are entangled and you have them on different paths and you're able to control where they go, okay, and you put up a polarizing filter, uh, let's say vertical, for the two photons. If the one photon passed through the vertical filter, the other photon will not pass through it, period. Every time, guaranteed, if they're entangled. But if you have a, a vertical polarizing filter for one of them and a horizontal polarizing filter for the other and they're entangled, one will pass through the, the, and the one happens to pass through the, the vertical, then it's guaranteed that the other one will pass through the horizontal. And then you can put filters at, you know, like take two 45 degrees. Okay, so now if the first photon, let's say photon A, having already passed through the vertical, hits the 45 degrees, photon B, having already passed through the horizontal, hits the same 45 degrees, they're not going to, you know, one will, if one passes, the other won't. If one doesn't pass, the other will. But again, if you turn them 90 degrees to each other, if one passes, the other will also pass. So it's kind of like that. So it's not that you can do something to a photon to make the other photon do it. It's that you can read a photon's behavior and by that predict the behavior of the other photon. But here's the thing. If in your quantum understanding of the world, Mm-hmm. Like go back to the original, my original uh, description of the, the of the three polarizing filters. You've got the vertical, and then you've got a forty five degree, and you got a ninety degree. Some of the photons that passed through the vertical will then also pass through the forty five. But which photons it is, scientists, physicists have no way to predict other than by letting them either pass or not pass. And so if your model, if your conclusion is that, okay, the question of whether that photon passed was a completely random uh, question that happens at the moment of passing, basically God makes up his mind at that moment and no sooner. Then when you have the entangled photons, by letting one pass through a filter, you are forcing God's mind as to how he's going to make up his mind on the filter of the other one because you could have it so like one of the photons passes through a filter right away and the other one spends a whole lot of time before it passes through the other filter Mm -hmm. and no matter how much time between them you you add the behavior still comes out consistent and entangled and so it's like okay wait a minute if it was a completely random event that isn't decided by God until the moment it hits the filter, then by letting the one photon hit the filter, you have now affected what the other photon is going to do when it hits a similar filter many, many, you know, distances away. And that's the action at a distance 
that they're talking about when they talk about quantum entanglement. Now, if you don't believe that it's a random event, if you believe that the photon has contained within it some kind of infinite um, stack okay. of polarization properties that will determine infinitely which filters it's going to pass through successively over the course of many, many, many filters, and that the two photons just happen to have exactly complementary stacks of these polarization properties, that's another way to interpret it. But the problem is then that it, it would have to be infinite in order to work according to that model. So that's why they mean that, that with quantum entanglement, you can act on one to affect the other. It's not that you act on one and then like you could transmit information to somebody else because, you know, it, it's yeah. the act isn't to cause an effect. The act is to measure its response to a stimulus like a filter. And then by okay. measuring that response, you've forced the other one to give an exactly complementary response to the same measure, even if it's very far away and at a, a whole different time. They make it sound much more magical when you uh, when they talk about this stuff on <laughs> know. like Nova, you know, PBS, whatever. Yeah, like somehow we'll be able to communicate faster than light or something like yeah, that. Yeah, stuff like yeah, that. No, no uh, nothing like that. Okay, um, there's a novella out there on Amazon you can purchase called "Time Entangled." That is somewhat interesting. I will hmm. link to that in the show it? notes. Huh? Yeah, I wrote it. Oh. <laughs> I wrote it a long time ago when I first heard the idea of entanglement and wanted to make a story out of it. Oh, okay. One of my early pieces. Um, okay, where are we here? Uh, Chess.com investigation finds out that Hans Niemann probably cheated in more than a hundred chess games. I oh, think is that it, the teenager? I guess so. I don't. I don't know anything else about that. I guess yeah, if like Chess Champion was saying, this teenage chess player has cheated. Yeah. And so I guess an investigation. So cheating, like, did they do they describe how? That's what I don't understand. How would you cheat? I mean, well, you could, for example, you hack you the like program a, a, or uh, a higher chess master. Um, like, okay, if you're really, really good at chess, like let's say you're, you know, you know master level. There's lots yeah. of chess masters. Um, okay, there, in any given board, there's a few moves that you're going to consider doing, and give, you know. Given a given piece, there's only a couple places that you might move that piece. So, for example, I could see, let's say he has a little electrode, um, uh, like a, a sort of a zap stimulator in his leg or something like that. Um, and so he's got chess, a like a super chess master or someone with access to, I don't know, IBM's, uh, what, what's the, the big chess program, Deep Blue or something like that. Um who is uh, sort of modeling the current game. Oh, yeah, you know, okay. Watching the current game. And then basically he's like moving Telling his hand, like, move. say, over the pieces. Okay. And it zaps him. Yes, move that one, for example. I guess that's... Like that. like, 
That's you know the only I mean? way. I mean, there's you a could bunch cheat. of ways you could do that. Yeah, I What's know, that? but that's the only way you could cheat, though. I mean, other than hacking exactly, the program. Exactly, that's my point. It has to be some kind of interactive thing. Yeah, it's not like you can, you know, move a piece incorrectly and <laughs> call yeah. it cheating. Yeah, it's like everybody would be like, "Well, wait a minute, you can't move that." You yeah, know, that's... <laughs> pawns don't move that way. So uh, I guess that's what they're talking about. He moved his pawn sideways. <laughs> to me, I say big deal. Uh, I think if you're going to go on an online chess game, you can at least expect some members to cheat. If you don't want cheaters, then you have a live game. You know? Oh, this is this was online. Chess.com investigation. I I don't know. I assume. Oh, I thought okay, because I I saw the headline and I assumed that they were talking about uh, a live match. Oh, uh, okay, uh, an in-person match. I but I, I could. Well, be maybe wrong. they were. I mean, it's Chess.com that investigated it. So. But yeah, I, I don't if, know. if it's online, then I agree with you. So what? Big deal. Why didn't you expect that? Yeah. I, Why would you? I, I would treat it, that you know? as a serious game. Yeah, but I guess if he were live doing it and he had found a way to. That's like cheating on a spelling bee or something like that, you know? Yeah. So, I don't know. <laughs> online spelling bee. Yeah. Come <laughs> on. <laughs> Do you see the psych where they kind of, they they had the spelling bee? Yeah. Sean got in a position where he was giving them words and he was like, he couldn't think of a word to give to the, as the spell master. So he's like, Banana. <laughs> and the kid looks all confused. Banana? Can you use it Did in you... a sentence? You... <laughs> I like this banana. Did you ever watch um, or see that? I I I had a uh, bought a a produced copy uh, up in Michigan when Jake was in it. But there's a play called the 25th Annual Putnam County Spelling Bee. No, um, Jake got the lead in that play up in Michigan um, and it's it's pretty funny and, and they always like sort of lottery pick some of the audience members to be part of the spelling bee and so oh, they yeah. give them words and when it's time for that audience member to leave they'll just give them a hard word <laughs> yeah okay uh, that's all the that's all the news I got there's one piece of news I want to talk about that is not nonsense news, um, but um, just just because it's kind of weird. So my son graduated from Purdue um, this past uh, spring, and last night um, a kid was killed at Purdue in his dorm room by his roommate. The oh, yeah. roommate um, is the one who called 911 or called authorities to report the death. Uh, he's from Korea. I, I don't know what the... Uh, I guess the, the, the guy who was killed, Varun Manish Cheda, um, is from Indianapolis. He's a senior studying data science. Um, but his roommate, 22-year-old junior, international student from Korea reported the death um, and was placed under arrest. While he was being walked into jail, he told the media, I love my family. The killing appeared to have been unprovoked. Jeez. 
Um, He's from North Korea? It didn't say which. He just said uh. Korea. But I'm thinking that that Varun Manish Cheda, uh, based on the name, is probably from India. Although, I mean, he lived in... I mean, he's from Indianapolis, but probably, is, you know, Indian descent. Yeah. Um, but he multiple died from multiple sharp, forced traumatic injuries. He was stabbed to death. Yeah. By his roommate, apparently. Jeez. Weird. Uh, and no news at all about a motive or anything else about it. So... Anyway, that's I, I wanted to that's just mention that because it happened like last night, and my son just wow. graduated from Korea not, or from uh, Purdue not long ago. Graduated so. from North Korea. Uh, no, he graduated from North Korea. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, so before I get into my news, kind of a funny anecdote from Ireland. Um, the <clears throat> so Ireland is is kind of like. I guess the the uh, an Irish uh, cliche, I suppose, would be pipe smoking. Um, well, it it seems to have kind of fallen away. Uh, a group of us were out on the patio of a hotel, um, the, and the door from the patio goes, you know, went into the hotel bar, and we were all smoking pipes, and we were kind of getting lighted up and everything and one of the guys was telling us that at one of our previous places he was telling us how he was um, walking around smoking a pipe and a guy came up to him and said I haven't seen anybody smoke a pipe in 20 years and so we were kind of jug- you know, chuckling about that while we were laying our pipes up and everything and then the door opened and a guy came out of the bar onto the patio area and he came over to us with, with his phone out he said oh I haven't seen anyone smoking a pipe in 20 years. <laughs> exactly the same words. Now, the thing is, he had his phone out so he could take our picture. And then he walked over to the other side of the patio area. We, you know, kind of turned away from us, but you could still hear him. And he's on the phone saying, yeah, they're smoking pipes. <laughs> he called and then he came back to us chatted with us for a minute and said, wait a minute, can I go get my wife? <laughs> he wanted his wife to come down to have her picture taken with us with our pipes. I haven't noticed whether, you know, like cigars, cigarettes, whatever. Um, it could be that they really don't smoke much of anything. I don't know. I, I, I don't, I mean, I think I would have noticed if there was like, if indoor smoking was a common thing. Um, I know that, you know, you know, tourism is a pretty big part of, of industry in Ireland, and I know that people come from all over the world and they smoke, so it's not yeah. like an, it's an alien thing in Ireland. That's weird. It's, it was just so funny. I, you know, of course, we had a laugh, chatted with the guy a while and stuff like that, but it was funny how he was telling the story, and then the guy came out of the bar and said the exact same words. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Apparently... At a um, White House, some kind of White House hunger event. I'm not even entirely sure what the event was. Um, I don't know what a White House hunger event was, um, but Biden was there, and this Congresswoman who had died a few months ago or a, a month or two ago, Biden called her out and said, "Jackie, are you here? Where's Jackie?" <laughs> Jackie Walorski, uh, in fact, she's a Republican from Indiana. 
Did um, he think she was still alive, or was he? Was she he was actually... killed in a car accident over the summer, and he's like asking, you know, hey Jackie. <laughs> I mean, is he calling the ghost yeah, of Jackie, she... or is he no, maybe no, no. thinking he that she she's still, still alive? alive. Yeah, oh, no, no, okay. no. He was he wasn't actually trying to say it. He thought she okay. was still alive. Okay. Well, um, our president is usually confused. Uh, yeah, it's kind of yeah, embarrassing. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. kind of embarrassing for him. Kind of sad, you know, on the part of of again his family and the his I don't know what, what would you call it his handlers. Right? Yeah, that's who, what we're calling them. Putting his this handlers. daughter out there and 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 sort of holding him up as seems like, like usually women, you know. Yeah, it's usually so. women who are in direct control of him. It seems like so. Mm-hmm. I don't know. He even says, "Oh, I'm not in control." He'll say things like that, and it's yeah, like, he'll, yeah. They they want me up. to go now. I guess I have to get out of here. Yeah, it's like, mm-hmm. dude, it's embarrassing. Yep. All right. So, um, apparently, a group of six women dressed in green—I don't know—leotards, uh, but the whole body suits that included covering their heads and faces in green in New York attacked a couple of young ladies um, on the subway. Um, Beat them up, stole their, like, I don't know, credit cards and stuff like that, cell phones, whatever, um, and then ran off. They haven't been apprehended yet. That's, uh... There's a part of it. Some people captured some. You can see they're kind of, like, yeah, you can see them, like, beating them up. It's and That's so what's especially weird, weird is that bizarre. nobody's intervening. There are guys there. I guess this is this is the New York style of man. Nobody's intervening, saying, "Hey, what's going on? Get off of her." Yeah, it's so <clears throat> weird nowadays that um, men will witness things, and instead of intervening, they will often video record it. And it's like, yeah, I, what, what the, are you doing? Get the get up and stop it. There's no men anymore. It's so weird. Yeah, that's 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 mostly that's what exactly this like like that recording, recording was. Um, it <laughs> it seems like in some of the bigger cities they've won entirely. Mm-hmm. I yeah. can't imagine watching anyone get beat up by anyone without trying to help somehow. I don't. Now, if it's a group of women beating up a group of women, I don't know what I would do about that. But that's weird. Yeah, they do yeah. have uh, some. Some kind of big women, you know. It, <laughs> I know that's the. Other it, thing. It's, it's so like, weird watching this. You would think like woman in a bodysuit, but it's like these women are kind of nasty to look at. Yeah, they're suits. yucky women. <laughs> I'll bet they are women who, um, what what Rush Limbaugh would have called them as feminazis. They're women who are unhappy with how they look and uh, yeah. take that out on women who uh, look good. That could be. I mean, that could be, you know, some part That's of what it looks like underlying thing here. Because it looks yeah. like the the girl getting beat up is um, has good proportions. Uh, yeah, young, young, basically attractive woman. Yeah. Uh, also looks like she's white. And but if, I, the, if but you look at the... Look white to me, too. They don't look white to me. When I see them walk... You don't think any of them look of a, white? No. There's, a, there's kind of a stride that... Uh, 
I don't know. I, I don't want to call it a black walk, but I don't know what else to say. It seems like there's a certain walk that, that black culture has developed, and that's what it looks like to me. Hmm. But there's multiple of them. You think yeah, there's all, a bunch that, of them. Because the one, like, look at the hair of the one. That doesn't look like a black woman's hair. The one with the long ponytail or whatever. I because black. She's black taking her thing don't off. Get that kind of hair. She took her. Uh, yeah, they do sometimes. She took her mask off. It looks like, and then. Okay, the one long hair that's black. Yeah. Boy, they're just getting. But oh, you know what? You know what? I I think These that's not a ponytail. Girls. That could be black hair. Yeah, that these are black all black hair. girls. I think you're right. These must these be black women. Non-black uh, extremists. These uh, so or these, these non-black ugly women are beating up on a couple of, of young black attractive girls or something like that. That yeah, maybe that's what it is. I don't know. It's sad, and all the men are just they, watching. Yeah. Just watching. men like cat fights. To me, that's more. Uh, I don't know. Newsworthy or or bizarre or embarrassing than than the act of beating the girls up. Yeah, especially since it's obviously kind of a a gang type thing. Could be, Uh, yeah. If they uh, allowed guns guns. in New York City, um, this kind of thing would probably happen a lot less. That's true. That's true. Or if they had men in New York City. Yeah, or if they had men. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Um, So that's the end of my news, but I... This past week, I was driving uh, a few times between Fort Wayne and Indianapolis, where I work. Mm-hmm. So, you know, work in Indianapolis was was in Fort Wayne, and a, there's this new fudge factory in uh, right, like right off of 69 between uh, just a little bit north of Indianapolis, not. Like, I think just before you reach Anderson, or maybe it's just after you reach Anderson or something Uh like that. Um, It's called Uranus Fudge Factory. And the signs are hilarious. I mean, first of all, just Uranus Fudge Factory is hilarious. Now, apparently this is something that started in Missouri uh, out on Route 66, and now they've opened one up in Indiana. But you've got Uranus Fudge Factory, which, okay, like I said, that alone is is pretty funny uh and then you've got one that <clears throat> have you uh have you seen the actual product no i have not gone i have not stopped to, well, I to mean, see the product is it only in that place can you like can you get it like at the store uranus fudge from somewhere oh, like, can you go to to uh kroger, can you and, go buy to uranus kroger fudge? and get this yeah I've not seen it know. anywhere. I guess you actually have to go to the factory. I think you have to go there. I think because it's like it's a fudge factory plus like general store and that kind of stuff. Okay. Uh, but so this other sign, Uranus Fudge Factory, and then the tagline: "The best fudge comes from Uranus." Wow. <laughs> yeah. I, wow. <laughs> hmm. I could not imagine um, wanting to eat this fudge. I don't think I would eat it. I know. <laughs> I know They've I would eat it. One. It says, explore, explore Uranus. <laughs> wow. Explore Uranus now, there's Fudge one, Factory I couldn't find, I couldn't find a picture of it, museum. but there's one. What's that? Oh, yeah. Fudge Factory and Museum. There's one that's in Indiana. I couldn't find a picture of it online. Um, 
but it says, having trouble finding Uranus? It's at exit such and such. Wow. I... Um, that's so weird. There, there's one even even worse. Uh, it's we are having big fun in Uranus. Yeah, and what? What? Okay, how do they tie this to a dinosaur? I have no idea what the a dinosaur of a, connection is. Maybe a Tyrannosaurus Rex on here. Yeah, could be. I don't know. This this is even worse. Uranus Fudge Packers Union proudly okay. packing fudge in Uranus since. 2015. They got a whole union. Wow. <laughs> Fudge Packers. <laughs> and then uh, there's one. Let me see if I can find this one. I There was one that said, and I think I could find it. Um, it was like, you know, basically, don't take pictures or, or video recordings of this sign. Uh, transgressors will be violated in Uranus or something like that. <laughs> That's really, weird. somebody had a lot of fun with this. <laughs> yeah, and it seems like they're not like they don't hide it at all. Try to make it look innocent. It's like obviously this is what we're talking about, and <laughs> I just the best fudge comes from Uranus. <laughs> I can't imagine them making money on this. It's I like mean, you go there and it's like, yeah, there has I, to be an I economy had some fudge here. From Uranus, <laughs> really. Uh, I didn't know you were stalking me. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I guess, I mean, okay, it's like, you know, the suggestiveness of it is like kind of, I, I you know, I don't really want that fudge now. It would have to be really, really good fudge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, really good. Because I, I wouldn't eat, I probably wouldn't even try it. Let alone yeah. <laughs> go out of my way. Uh, the curiosity might make me buy it just so I can show people. Look, I got Uranus fudge, but uh, uh, I or I at least check the store out. Yeah. <laughs> Weird. All right. So that that is the end of my nonsense, and we have a uh, Bible trivia question. Oh yeah. Let me see if I can. Uh, With the important stuff. Hold on a second. What? Are you done with the important stuff? No, I'm still recording. Oh, uh, is there any trash that needs to go specifically? Yeah, there's a bag in the garage. That I... It's not that. Those are shoes. But there's a... I think I even tied it up. I can't remember if I tied it up or not. But it's in the garage. And Anything else? No, thank you. Alright, I'm just going about the trash. Alright. Uh, we're, okay, we're at All trivia. Right. Bible trivia. Roll the what dice. Category? What's that? What category? Dice roll comes up number one. That is category Old Testament. Okay. And the question is, which woman wandered in the desert for a time with her son Ishmael? So who was the mother of Ishmael? You remember who Ishmael so, was? He, he was Abraham's other son, right? Right, the okay. one that wasn't from his wife was not not was Sarah's Rachel, but Sarah's maid. Was her name Rachel? No, Rachel was um, Rachel, one of Jacob's wives. Remember Rachel and Leah? Ever oh, tell you that joke? Yeah. It's not really a joke, but but Jake, have you ever read Jacob with Leah and Rachel? 
Red, Jacob, but, with Leah and Rachel. Yeah. It's like the there it's like Leah's having kids and Rachel's not, so Rachel says to Jacob, Hey, go into my maidservant to have kids for me and then yeah. Leah stopped having kids, but Rachel had some kids, so Leah says to Jacob, Go into my maidservant and then at one point like one of them has like some some uh uh fruits or, or roots that they harvested from the ground and the other one says Hey, give me those, and I'll have you lie with Jacob tonight. And so she gets into her, and she goes to Jacob and say, Hey, you have to come lie with me because I gave her some roots. It, it's like, the, you heard of a guy, of like women throwing themselves at a guy? Yeah. Jacob was a guy that women threw other women at. <laughs> that sounds like Jason. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jason has that kind of luck. Her brother Jason is like that. <laughs> he, he, that's how he grew up. <laughs> so, anyway. Um, so, uh, not Rachel. Um, the name of Sarah's servant. Um, uh Okay. I, I don't want to flip it to the back because maybe I'll think of it, but I, it's not coming to me. Oh, I thought you already looked at it. Then maybe, how do you know I'm I not right? Think of, I don't, I don't, I, I might be I want right. to try to guess it too. What's that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Should I could. put them in a can? You don't have to. As long as they can pick them up and throw them in easily, then they'll do it. But if they can't do it easily, then they'll leave it. You know what? I'm going to take these two cards. I'm going to, okay, next week we can't do a, a number one. It's funny, like, I've got the stack of cards. I've got the one that we're doing in my hand here, which is, you know, which woman wandered in the desert with her son Ishmael. The next card that's on the stack of the, on the top of the deck, the Old Testament question is, who was Sarah's maid? Really? We've already established it's the same answer. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to flip the card. All right. Ah, yeah, Hagar. That's her name. What? H A H A G A R. Hagar. Yep. Why did I that think it was Sarah's Rachel? Maid? What's that's that? That's a weird name. Why did I think it was Rachel? Because that's another name from the Old Testament. Hmm. Well, um, I'll tell you what. So that's... we are presenting these, I guess we'll call them screw tape recordings. And wait till you see some of the artificial intelligence generated uh, images that simply the word screw tape uh, gives us. Oh, I would not have thought of putting that into one of the generators. It is bizarre, evil looking stuff. And apropos. Yeah, it's perfect. Wow. So I don't. I ha, I'm going to have a hard time choosing which one I'm going to use because they're all so good <laughs> in in that direction. But um, yeah, wow, I'm going to make a whole bunch of them. Okay, well, folks, um, we'll keep you posted. But next week we'll we'll do the uh, the rest of the lust, and they've got a whole other section on uh, on mental temptations that will also. Uh, show you but meanwhile think about what we said and as always go raw and circle the beans thanks folks
Gracias.